this fucking guy. Hello, my little chorizo sausages. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care. If self-care is one long scream into the void. Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and P-words that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. I'm the bisexual anthem of the mid-2000s, Ren Martinez. And I'm still Mr. Brightside, you can't erase history, Ren. Ginger Gollub. Well, I guess you can be Mr. Brightside, I'll be Mrs. Brightside. We are the power <laughs> we couple. We are the bright sides. We are the bright sides. <laughs> Again, the power couple of bisexual ambiguity from the millennial generation. Again, if we ever decide to change the name of this podcast to make it easier to search, the bright sides would not be a bad choice. I would not be unopposed to that, no. Um, I mean, we have a lot. We also still have a, as a, as a possibility, um, what the fuck was it? Kill um, me, said, you beautiful bitch. Kill me, you beautiful bitch. <laughs> Listeners tweet at us. Tell us, should we change the name of this podcast? To kill me, you beautiful bitch. Yes. <laughs> or I suppose the bright sides, but it's not better than kill me, you beautiful bitch. I mean, yeah, I think we just need to see T, TM, TM, TM. And that's how you TM. trademark things. I'm a lawyer, so I know. Yes. Can, can you just say JD or Esquire repeatedly after your name and, like, make you a That's lawyer? It. Is that I am Ren Martinez, Reverend Esquire. That's that's some sovereign citizen bullshit right there. I of mean, just, this is how the law works. I am, I am the master of my domain. My domain being my office I share with my husband that is covered in cat hair. So, mm. you know, now we're doing our best. <laughs> Listeners, we may sound hungover today. We are not. We are just in our 30s. <laughs> there was a TikTok I showed uh, Reek last night, which is a dude being like, I found this out in my 30s, and I don't know how I feel about it. And it is not being hungover is way better than ever being drunk. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, that is... That is truth. That is truth and light in a golden yeah. age. And I appreciate your bravery. Truly. <laughs> truly. But on that note, is there anything that you want to scream into the void? Uh, yes. Yes, there is. It's about somebody we haven't really talked about in a while. I don't think ever, actually, on this show. But, you know, in our hearts, maybe. Mm. You, you, of course, know former Republican Senator Rick Santorum. Oh, I do know fo- former. Yes. Well, unfortunately, is he hiking the Appalachian Trail, Rick Santorum? Huh? Is he the one that was hiking the Appalachian Trail in, in heavy quotations, but was having an affair with an Argentinian mistress, and that's why nobody could find him for a week? <laughs> that feels true. I Just cannot hold on. Let me Google. Deny I think that's point. him. <laughs> oh, what a journey you've taken me on in just like three seconds. Nope, that was Mark Sanford. Continue. Oh, uh, I mean. Yeah, so unfortunately, he has a uh, parted ways with CNN after he appeared on the Cuomo primetime show, uh, where he, well, uh, yeah, he was attempting to clarify uh, remarks that he said in April about Native Americans because oh, no. he stated at a Young America's Foundation event that there was 
nothing here before European settlers arrived. Oh, God, I had forgotten about... We came here and created a blank slate. We birthed a nation from nothing. I mean, there was nothing here. I mean, yes, we have Native Americans, but candidly, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. Christ almighty. (laughs) Which... I mean, I guess you could say that's true, but that's because of the the genocides. It is the ethnic largely due to the genocides. <laughs> so uh, apparently, he tried to backtrack that and was like, uh, "My B," but like, come on, they were ta- my my comments were taken out of context, and CNN was like, "All right, no, bye, no, we're not." Why be was able he to- on CNN? Well, it's the whole thing that once they're done being a politician, they become a political commentator. It's mm. it's the great circle of life. Oh, God. That's what they do. What, that's the pasture, right? So once politicians are, can no longer be politicians for whatever reason, they go to that farm upstate. That farm upstate is some news broadcast where they can continue what giving ha- shitty opinions. What happens to them after they get ejected from the farm upstate? Are we going to eat Rick Santorum? <laughs> Ew, no, I bet he, ooh, no, he doesn't uh, taste good at all. Stringy. Ugh, like, like a, like a skim milk mozzarella cheese. You'd really have to braise him, but I feel like that's your best bet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> to ease off of the cannibalism a little bit. Why don't you send us your best recipes for how you would cook and eat the variety of conservative talking point <laughs> talking heads um, that we loathe in today? So this, this is just going to get played back later at a court deposition, and I'm both looking forward to and dreading that moment. Well, as a sovereign citizen, there is no jurisdiction over me. So <laughs> jokes on y'all. God help us all. Well, you know, considering that, yes, we've already gotten into cannibalism in a very worryingly short amount of time. We need some therapy. We do indeed. So, Ginger, a light of my life, brazer of political <laughs> political commentators. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell me about this fucking guy? All right. Well, I had an entirely different episode prepared, but after the heaviness of the policing episode, I just, I wanted something lighter. Um, This is somebody that I've had on my list forever, and I struggle with her because she's not, she's not, I'm not going to say she's not an awful person. She's not a straight up awful person, but Fuck almighty, is she a weird beard. So please come on this journey with me. I'm excited. We're holding hands. There's a rainbow bridge. Mm, Let's go. mm. Carrie Amelia Moore was born November 25th, 1846 in Garrard County, Kentucky. I'm sorry, who? Carrie Amelia Moore. Never heard of her. We'll get to it. You have. Oh, Um, okay. (laughs) Her name is alternately spelled C-A-R-R-Y and C-A-R-R-I-E throughout her life. Um, it appears that her father meant to name her C-A-R-R-Y and then just got distracted or something and spelled it wrong mm. on the birth certificate. If there were birth certificates, I don't fucking know. It was the 1840s. No rules, just right. Mm-hmm. Um, her father, George Moore, was a 
I guess, mildly successful farmer. It said successful farmer on Wikipedia. He's clearly not. Um, he was also a stock trader. And because it was Kentucky in the 1840s, a slaveholder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a website on historical residents of Missouri, where she later lived, is quick to assure us that Carrie spent lots of time with the family slaves and as a result was comfortable with people of various races. Oh, mm, mm-hmm. mm. I'm sure, I'm sure she was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Stay, stay classy, Missouri. This actually isn't about racism, so that's... Oh, okay. It's definitely, it's the same kind of shit where it's, like, Hamilton, like, glossing over of history, where it's like, the Founding Fathers were really super swell dudes. Like, they might have owned people, but, like, who, you know, who didn't? And I'm sure they were very nice to them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Uh huh. Are you are you sure? If by nice you mean like rip out their teeth to make his false dentures, is that oh god? Is that um the nice part or <laughs> refusing to to release them after you die or something? I don't. George Washington will have his day on this podcast. She told my story, but neglected all that part in this musical. She did. She did. You only you only have like you know three hours. I get it. It's I still like Hamilton. I know. Fight me, and we can. Um, Carrie's health was not so great, and the family had some financial setbacks, and they moved around a lot, including to Belton, Missouri, in eighteen fifty four. Because they moved around so much, Carrie and her siblings had no formal education. In addition to their financial difficulties, several members of the Moore family, probably including Carrie herself. Um, appear to have struggled with severe mental illness, in particular, Carrie's mother, Mary. Mary and Carrie, rhyming theme in the family. Mm-hmm. Have no idea what any of her sisters are, or what any of her siblings are named, except for a brother, Charles, who we will meet in a moment. Uh, I'm guessing Sherry, Terry, and Derry. Yes. Mm-hmm. That popular girl's name of the 1800s, Derry. Dude, they named girls like... Like Temptation Jones, heart of a <laughs> heart of a sin, or whatever the fuck. Like Derry is not that bad. Coveting thy neighbor's wife, Johnson. <laughs> Criminy. Um. So, uh, Mary's whole thing, for lack of better phrasing, because I am very tired. Uh, she seems to have thought she was Queen Victoria. Which, if you're gonna have a persistent delusion. What a great persistent delusion to have. You know, it's not one of the worst ones I've heard. No, it's not. It's hard to pull off in Missouri. But, you know, you do you, Mary. And I I feel like it wouldn't have been a as much of a problem in a more sensitive family. But they, like, every time a rumor would come up about, like, did you hear this lady thinks she's Queen Victoria? They would move. <laughs> Uh, That's such an 1840s solution. It's, it really was. Honestly, though, but, like, I feel that in my soul as somebody who, like, is outgoing and, like, performative, but also crippled with social anxiety. So anytime I say something or do something and I'm immediate, like, oh, no, everyone hates me now. My mm. my first thought is we have to move. Pack I have your to, bags and move away. I have to... I have to 
fake my death and change my identity. I mean, you know, I did this the other day with, when I texted uh, you and Susie Cream Cheese, and I made a joke about the baby being a naked mole rat, and then I immediately was like, oh my god, no, that was offensive. I have to die now. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all babies look moderately like naked mole rats. It's because they are human being larvae. It's fine. So, it's I'm, fine. I'm glad I you really... reassured me to be like, no, you don't have to plan your death. Like, I No, don't. you don't have to commit seppuku over this particular infraction because I really find naked mole rats to be extremely charming. And also screaming infants, I don't know. You know, that's... It's how I'm built. It's okay, and we accept you and love you for that. Yeah. Anyway, so they're moving around all the time because Mary... We're fast-forwarding a little bit. In 1890, um, Carrie's brother, the once-before-mentioned Charles, uh, he had Mary committed to an asylum in Nevada, Missouri. What a dumb town name. Yeah. What a fucking dumb town name, uh, where she died three years later. From the rumor mill, there is some suspicion that Charles had Mary committed just because he owed her money. Again, this is an integral to the story. It's just goose, goosey joss, juicy goss. <laughs> goosey joss? It's just goosey joss <laughs> that like, I particularly enjoy. That sounds like a lady in like the 1920s trying to become a silent film star. <laughs> Goosey Joss on the silver screen. Alongside Charlie Chaplin in <laughs> Have You Heard This Shit? God. But like I said, that's getting ahead of things. That doesn't really have to do with today's story. Um, the family moved to Texas during the Civil War, so we're still in the 1860s here. Uh, they did really poorly there. They moved back to Missouri quickly. They built a farm, but then they got yeeted by the Union Army, and they moved to Kansas City, which is still Missouri, no matter how many times these city names in Missouri try to convince you that they're other states. Mm -hmm. During the war, Carrie nursed wounded soldiers. There is almost no information on this. I mean, sure. Yeah. Why not? Probably. That's not like there was, like, a healthcare system. No. It was just... This person's died. Your daughter unmarried... Have her nurse some wounded soldiers. Maybe she'll find a husband. <laughs> I was thinking more like, there's a man dying on the porch. Let me at least get him a juice box so he can <laughs> go out, you know, leave this mortal coil with some sugar in him. Just pep him up a little bit. Give him an <laughs> ibuprofen and send him on his way. There you go. He, he only has one arm and no <laughs> legs. Just... Give them a juice box. Mm -hmm. It's all they could do back then. You know, the many juice boxes that they had in the 1860s. <laughs> Christ. Ye old Capri Sun. <laughs> At the end of the war, Carrie met a young, dashing, former Union soldier and physician named Charles Gloyd when he became a boarder at the Moore's family home. What a horrible last name. Gloyd? Yes, that sounds like something that, like, you, you like a lump you get in your neck. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry to inform you, you have a Gloyd? Yeah, you're gonna have to see a dermatologist about that Gloyd. <laughs> uh, Glo Gloyd himself was 
a severe alcoholic. And Carrie's parents did not want her to marry Lloyd because he was, again, I cannot stress this enough, a severe alcoholic. It was like the 1860s after the Civil War. Who wasn't? I mean, he was apparently enough so that stood out. Oh, okay, well. Which had to be fairly impressive. Well, I mean, that suppose that's true. Like, if if everyone's an alcoholic and everyone's addicted to, like, opium. So I guess if it's enough for it to stand out, who boy, perhaps yeah. you need to yeah. take that down a notch. Just, just temper it down a little bit. Um, again, Carrie's parents didn't want her to marry Gloyd because he was a an alcoholic. They kind of kept seeing each other and he's like, I'll win them over. And she's like, please do. And apparently he did eventually. Um, because they were finally married on November 21st, 1867. Uh, it didn't go fucking well. What? Gloyd was drunk at the ceremony. Oh, honey. And Carrie was hurt that he preferred to spend his time at the, at the local Masonic Lodge, where they apparently had a happy hour, uh, instead of with her. Uh, she moved back in with her parents, and they separated shortly before the birth of their only daughter, Charlian? I think it's Charlian. It's Charlie, but then somebody put an N on the, the end Charlene? of it. Charlene? You would think that it would be Charlene, and I think it might even be pronounced Charlene, but it's spelled Charlian. Okay. I will pronounce it Charlene from here on out, but you need to know that it's spelled Charlian. I, I have taken this knowledge and put it somewhere safe inside me. Yeah, on September 27th, 1868, this kid was born. Then six months later, Gloyd died of, quote, delirium tremens or from pneumonia compounded by excessive drinking. So It got him eventually. It did. It did. Um, with the money that she, I was going to say, inherited after her husband's death, he didn't leave her fuck all. She had some land from her parents, and then she sold all of his medical equipment, because remember, he was a doctor. Mm. Um, after selling all of that shit, she built a small house for herself, her daughter, and her mother-in-law, uh, Gloyd's mama, mm. in Holden, Missouri. She attended the suspiciously named Normal Institute in Warrensburg, Missouri, and she got a teaching certificate there in 1872. Uh, Carrie taught in a school in Holden for four years before being fired for teaching children unconventional, unconventional pronunciations of words. You can get fired for that by being like, hey, kids, we're going to learn about the syllables. The syllables. God, I wish I had any more information on this <laughs> for you. Hilarious. Just she she said shit wrong, so we had to let her go. And yeah, after that point, I guess unemployed, she began to pray for help in the form of a new husband. And she found one in eighteen seventy four. Carrie married David A. Nation. An attorney, minister, and journalist who was 19 years her senior. As far as I can tell, they fucking hated each other. Oh. Had nothing in common. What a great uh, foundation for marriage. Yeah, no, it, it never had any children together. Don't, I can't, 
I mean, I can't imagine this woman having sex with anybody. Like, eventually I will show you a picture of her and she'll just go like, yeah, she does not seem like she would enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I respect that. I respect that from her. Uh, He wanted somebody to raise his kids from his previous marriage, and she seemed to do an okay job at that, I guess. They spent as little time together as possible. Shortly after their marriage, they did purchase a massive cotton plantation together in Brazoria County, Texas. Uh, but neither of them knew jack shit about farming, because again, he's a lawyer and she's, she's, a, uh, she's a teacher who, you know, who can't say shit right. Can't say shit right. Uh, so the farm went under very quickly, but he was still a lawyer, so they did okay. Um, During her second marriage, she became increasingly religious. Some of the sources I've seen noticed that she started having visions and dreams around this time. They don't specify of what? Presumably Jesus. Call me what you want. Call me what you need. (laughs) Call me in the morning. I'll be on the way. It was only a matter of time before you started singing Montero. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Then, for whatever reason, Carrie gets really, really into managing hotels uh, in 1882. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's no way for me to be, like, elegant segue. It's like, I don't know. Then she started managing a hotel. Yeah, because, okay, the lady who's, like, pronouncing things incorrectly has to, like, certainly be, co- be in the hospitality industry. All right. Mm. Um, I feel like she did not have the personality for it, um, but she she certainly was prolific at it. At 1880, she moved herself, her daughter, David's daughter, Lola, and Mother Gloyd, who is her first mother-in-law, who is still living with her. <laughs> Mother Gloyd, isn't that, isn't that Rapunzel's mom entangled? Um, <laughs> Mother knows best. You can't prove to me it's not. Um... <laughs> They all moved into a hotel she's operating in Columbia, Missouri. No fucking clue where David is at this point. Actually, we do know where David was at this point because he was operating a a saddle shop. He's a lawyer. What? Near there. Don't know if he's living with her at this point. She doesn't seem to care. Sparse on the details. Uh, Then they all moved to Texas to operate a different hotel because I guess they kept doing this. Was this normal? Does anyone know? Please tweet at us. It's the 1800s. I think normal is incredibly relative. Then in 1889, David Nation became involved in the Jaybird Woodpecker War, something that was called a war, but in actuality was some racist dudes overthrowing a democratically elected biracial government, because I guess that was happening everywhere. The Woodpecker War? The Jaybird Woodpecker War. Where the what the fuck is that? I'm <laughs> these birds duking it out. I don't understand. I mean, it's it, it's the Wilmington massacre all over again. It's you know something that they never taught us about, but was apparently a thing. Um, I don't know what side he was on. I'm, so I don't- I'm gonna take a guess. <laughs> well, he did get run out of the fucking state, so I don't know. Maybe it's because like- of his poor saddleman saddlery. Saddleship? Saddleship? <laughs> Saddlemanry. A word that means as as much as any of this does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they went to Kansas. David became a preacher because, sure, if you're a lawyer, it's just a stone's throw. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, he's in the saddle of the Lord. And Carrie... <laughs> Carrie, I'm gonna blow your fucking mind here. 
She started running a hotel. Oh, there you go. Another uh, hotel. Uh, uh. So Carrie, uh, Carrie Amelia Nation. Cannot stress that enough. Carrie Amelia Nation, uh, it, like I said, is becoming increasingly religious at this time, and her sense of divine protection, the belief that God is going to save her from whatever shit she does, is strengthened during this period because the boarding house or hotel she was running caught fire, and she and Charlene and Lola and probably Mother Gloyd, you don't hear from Mother Gloyd again. She could have died in all of this. Um she, she's been looking a bit peaked for a couple of hotels now. Mm. Um, they survived and she's like, it's because God loves me. It's because God loves me because I'm becoming increasingly religious and a pain in the ass. To borrow from a History Channel article on Carrie, despite being unable to vote, women were becoming more involved in politics at the time in a powerful lobby for temperance the prohibition of alcohol, had begun to gain the support of women activists. Since it related to marriage, family, and the home, it was seen as a safe way for women to participate politically, and Carrie Nation had ambition and energy to spare. Okay. Is this sounding familiar at all Nope, to you? not at all. Oh, this is delightful. I, okay. I Yeah, no, I still never heard of this lady but I've heard it. I mean, I, I know temperance. I know the temperance movement. Yeah. So while they were living in Medicine Lodge, Kansas, Carrie taught Sunday school. She saw to the needs of poor people. Did you just hear something? I didn't, but your house is haunted. It might have been my hair. <laughs> your hair is haunted. My hair is making noises. Have you not seen my hair? My hair is terribly haunted. It's also 86 degrees where I'm sitting. Whoa. So uh, I might be just having delirium. Um, uno mas, one again. While they were living in Medicine Lodge, Kansas, Carrie taught Sunday school. She saw to the needs of poor people. She became a jail evangelist, and she helped to establish a local chapter of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. The union advocated for Kansas's enforcement of their existing. They already had a fucking prohibition on alcohol. They weren't enforcing it enough for them. So... They advocated for greater enforcement of that, I guess. Um, so as you apparently don't know, but some people may know, uh, Carrie Nation was a big fucking prohibitionist. Mm-hmm. And listen, we have a lot of fun here, guys. And look, we may ourselves use alcohol to process the creeps, jerks, and P-words, but we do understand that that's not for everyone. And I am not here to rag on Carrie A. Nation for being a temperance advocate. I am here to rag on her for having, like, a negative amount of chill. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we kind of brushed over this before, but, like, temp the temperance movement was not, at its core, like, a bad idea, because it's, like... Man, wouldn't it be great if my husband beat me less? That'd be super cool. Be I'd be if, into it. If my husband beat me less, you know, hey, since I can't have a job, it would be cool if he wasn't drunk all the time and he was and he was earning any amount of money so we weren't homeless. Perhaps like, since I can't like get divorced or whatever or and I certainly have to get married because of like society, um I guess the only way I can control this is to like make sure alcohol isn't a thing. Yeah. All of that, totally cool. This lady 
did some other stuff. (laughs) So she started out doing your classic protest, you know, holding signs, whatever, outside of bars. That wasn't working because she was like, what if I tried passive aggression? I just hit my elbow really hard. (laughs) You did? Uh, Because that desk passive aggressively hit back. Do you want me to take that line again? No, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, bless. Okay. Uh, So she started um, singing to saloon patrons. She was serenading them with hymns, (gasps) and she brought a fucking hand organ with her, which are the. Which are the little organs on carts that sometimes have the dancing monkeys on them and you, like, j- turn a crank and it plays music. I don't think she had a monkey. I can't say definitively she didn't I have a monkey. I just this idea of this lady just, like, bursting into a bar and somebody's it's like, Give us a song, your piano man. Give us a song tonight. Because we're all in the mood for a melody. Like, just. Yes, it was very much that, except for it was like, because you're all going to hell for you're the devil's dreams. And all of you are going to hell tonight. That's where that song comes from. Not a lot of people know. Not a lot of people know. Um, oh, she also liked to greet bartenders by saying, good morning, destroyer of men's souls. <laughs> nice to meet you. How are you doing today? I am a destroyer of men's souls. As you may imagine, these new tactics just annoyed people. <laughs> no. Can't they were not, not looking believe. at her going, I have to change my wicked ways. They were just like, what the fuck is this lady God, doing? this lady's loud as shit. It reminds me a little bit, I mean, obviously, like, I think there's nuance to this movement. There is no nuance to anti-abortion activists no. But uh, just that whole thing of, like, having, like, bloody dolls that, like, are strewn across the pavement. And, like, uh, I just was watching one where, like, it's one of it's one of those offices that, like, it's in a, in a city, so the sidewalk isn't uh, their property. And they're straight up at the window of this fucking clinic screaming at the glass. Oh, like, God. going yeah. on about Jesus and whatever, and apparently they did call the cops, and the cops were like, well, technically, they're on public property. They do that. It's so fucking annoying. I was, uh, when I was an escort at, uh, at Planned Parenthood, um, they owned the entire block that the building was on, as well as the parking lot, and it had a mm-hmm. giant, like, hedgerow, so they couldn't get anywhere close to the building. They had yeah. to stay outside. Um, but they had ladders, that they had, that they, you know, had around the hedges and they'd be all above the hedges, like in, on their, mm-hmm. on their megaphones, just shouting all sorts of shit. Um, I was called a vulture and a death scort. That's my favorite title oh, that I've ever received. Nice. Um, and I once had a dude whose girlfriend went inside. He was like, I have a pit bull. I could get them to leave. I'm like, no, sir. I appreciate your energy. I love everything about this, but let's just take a nap. (laughs) Hang out with your dog and take a nap. We don't need that. We don't need that in our lives. A friend of the show, um, one of our many Hannahs, uh, was telling me, she works at Planned Parenthood, and she was telling me about the most recent 40 Days protest, which, if you you are not familiar, dear listeners, every every Lent, protesters 
kind of bolster up their protesting actions at Planned Parenthood, and uh, they do, like, this whole 40 days of really intensive activism there. Um, she was telling me last time this happened, she was pulling into the driveway just to fucking get to work, and somebody was blocking the driveway, so she stopped and she got out of their car, and they were just so excited that she had joined the cause, and she was like, I need you to move so I can get to work, and they were just so crushed. Because yeah. no one likes them. No one likes them. No one likes them. I need to show you right now just a picture of this woman if you have never seen or heard of her. Yeah. Um, so this is what you can be picturing um, for the rest of our episode. And so you can describe her to our listeners. Um, She looks a little bit like uh, the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. Mm, Mixed with mm -hmm. the lady from Poltergeist saying this house is clear. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, she gives very much, like, disturbed psychic energy. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um, she also looks a little bit, I don't know, it must be the glasses. Look, she looks a little bit like FDR. She doesn't not look like FDR. <laughs> I would have said she looks like a cartoon frog. Um, yeah, clearly. Inexplicably wearing a veil. Was that a veil? It was yes. so hard to tell. No, that wasn't her hair. That was a veil. Oh. I mean, I do love I do love drama queens, so mm -hmm. I appreciate the commitment. Yeah. So being assertive wasn't working, being passive aggressive was wasn't working. Um and she began to pray to God for direction, how to make these sinners quit their drinking ways. On June 5th, 1900, she felt she received her answer straight from God, as Nation described it. The next morning, I was awakened by a voice which seemed to me speaking in my heart these words, Go to Kiowa! And my hands were lifted and thrown down, and the words, I'll stand by you, the words, go to Kiowa, were spoken in a murmuring musical tone, low and soft, but I'll stand by you, was very clear, positive, and emphatic. I was impressed with the great inspiration. The interpretation was very plain. It was this. Take something in your hands and throw it at these places in Kiowa and smash them. I don't, I don't know a lot about God um, or <laughs> any of the gods, really. Like, I just mm, can't say that I'm much of an expert, but I, there's something very ungodlike about someone whispering in your ear, go to Kiowa. <laughs> like, there's, this, mm, I mean, if I'm going to go on a godly quest and they're like, your destination, Kiowa, I'd be like, oh, no, that's not. That's no. Not it. <laughs> that's no. Kiowa was a town in Kansas. It was a place that, like, existed and I guess was close by. First of all, the leap between go to Kiowa, I'll stand by you, which is if we're calling this a primary source document. You know, th this is what was said. Her interpretation is, go to Kiowa, take something in your hands and throw it. First of all, that's a little bit of a leap. She saw 
no red flags here. Her mother had already died in an asylum. Carrie Nation threw the first brick at Stonewall. I mean... (laughs) That was not what she was going for, and I don't think she would have approved of it, but... um, I mean, Carrie just went, well, obviously, yes, I'm going to go to Keoa, Kansas with a bunch of smashers. She called her rocks smashers. Oh, because they're special Um, god rocks. Yeah, and two days later, she proceeded to Dobson Saloon in Keoa, Kansas, presumably kicked down the door, shouted, Men, I have come to save you from a drunkard's fate. And she smashed all the booze and shit with her rocks like a chill person. Per her own account, because I love a fucking primary source, quote, I ran behind the bar, smashed the mirror and all of the bottles under it, picked up the cash register, threw it down, then broke the faucets of the refrigerator, opened the door, and cut the rubber tubes that conducted the beer. I threw over the slot machine and got from it a sharp piece of iron, which I used to open the bungs of the beer kegs and open the faucets of the barrels, and then the beer flew in every direction, and I was completely saturated. Okay, that last bit sounded kinkier than I think she meant it to be. Um, Probably. Although I do kind of feel like she was getting off on this. Can you imagine just being a dude? It's like, you know, six o'clock, you had a hard day mm-hmm. at work, right? And you're just at the bar and you have like, you know, your single malt or whatever the fuck. And then Mrs. Bighead from Rocco's Modern Life <laughs> runs in <laughs> and starts fucking gorilla stomping everything just like knocking bottles down screaming at the top of her lungs throwing shit and you're just like i'm sorry what and she clearly was able to do a bunch of damage and i'm Mm -hmm. guessing that's because everyone in the bar was just so gobsmacked that no one tried to stop her it, it is so important when you're visualizing this. Like, I know Ren and I described her a little bit. She is in her mid-50s. She looks like she's 70 because, again, it's the 1800s. She's right. in her mid-50s. She is a full six feet plus at the time. She's six feet tall and stocking feet. God I only not knows. not know she was that tall. That no, she's changed. an enormous woman. So she's like Lady Dimitrescu, like fucking stomping in here like a giantess. I am here to save you from a drunkard's fate. Fucks everything up. <laughs> no one wants to fight this lady. So she she was so successful there, she proceeded to do this at two more saloons, like that same day. Then a tornado hit eastern Kansas, and Carrie was like, I see no other interpretation of this other than that God is pleased with my actions. Oh. Oh, the tornado means he's happy. Okay. That's Clearly. interesting. Clearly. Now, I'm gonna add here, remember, saloons were illegal in Kansas at that time, so she seemed to believe that she could do whatever she wanted to them without any consequences, which was varying levels of true Mm. um she kept doing this all over kansas uh at one point she even tried to raid the governor's mansion here's a question does she how does she get from place to place and does her husband know do her children know 
Her husband knows, unknown of Charlene, uh, whether she knows. Uh, actually, no, I think she was bringing Charlene with her. That's not in a lot of the stuff I'm reading, but it kind of sounds like she kept Charlene sort of as like a little pet and God cannot corrupt you. So just kind of stay very close to me. So I think Charlene, if anything, was with her husband, definitely not with her, but definitely knew about it. Not sure exactly how she's getting from place to place. Sounds like trains. Okay. Sounds like probably trains. She's just has, she's just this, you know, fucking Baba Yaga with a fucking backpack full of rocks. Yeah. Train going from place to place. Baba Yaga with a bag full of rocks is, like, more accurate than maybe anything we've said on this show. Like, it is very precisely that energy. God. Um, so she tries to re- like, kind of raid the governor's mansion. That goes fucking nowhere. Um, after that happens, though, her husband, the long-suffering David A. Nation, joked that she should use a hatchet next time for maximum damage. <laughs> Nation replied, like a chill person, that's the most sensible thing you have said since I married you. And then they divorced the next year. <laughs> and he cited abandonment as the cause. Because she was too busy smashing up saloons. And then he died two years later. You know what? She, yeah, I would also die to escape that. Um, I love that. I love this, where he's like, he's clearly in an argument where he's being sarcastic. He's like, oh, well, you know, you should just get a fucking axe, right? It just, that'll help. And he's like, that's an excellent idea, David. Oh, my God, David. What a great plan. Thank you for finally and he's contributing just like, to this. What have I fucking done? <laughs> I don't know if he was a drinker. I suspect he's not because, like, her entire thing was my first husband died of alcoholism. This is terrible. Like, I'm going to use this and sort of. This is a woman who could drive a man to drink. That's true. <laughs> not that mm, I feel like that's sexist of us. Like. However, this is a again, person who could drive another person to yes, drink. Yes, this is a person who could drive another person to drink. That is, yeah, it has nothing to do with gender. It doesn't even have anything to do with the fact that they were married. But dear God, yeah. Um, because this was the Midwest in the 1900s, Carrie was the most entertaining thing that was happening anywhere, <laughs> uh, and lots of women were like, "Yes." Queen, I see you. I want to get in on this action. So they would stand outside the bars and pray and sing hymns while she was smashing them up with a hatchet. (laughs) (laughs) This is just like New York City performance art. I'm really into this. She was arrested 30 times between 1900 and 1910 for these hatchetations, as she called them. Oh man, I you know I you 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 gotta stand a queen. Um you all she also probably could have received some mental health treatment, but you probably. know <laughs> I I at least appreciate the energy. I mean this is like every reality television star today, if we're honest, just like she's so entertaining. It's probably deep underlying mental illness, but we're really into it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, God. Instead of looking at her arrest record, family history of mental illness and court fees as a reason to chill out, uh, she just started having lecture tours and selling souvenir pewter hatchets to pay for her legal <gasps> fees. Uh, merchandising. And, and the whole thing is like, tell me you're an American in the 1900s without telling me you're an American in the 1900s. Again, I I appreciate the 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 you know the the social media the 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 merchandising, just the whole marketing plan. She's just like the proto Karen. Hmm. I mean, in this form, I respect it a lot more. Yeah. Also, the little tiny silver hatchets had death to rum engraved on the handle. Dude, this is kind of badass. I kind of want one. I really want one so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do, dear listener, when you have smashed up all of the bars in Kansas with an axe? You go to Missouri. You go to Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, (laughs) Kansas City was very anti-temperance, and this did not go over well. After she smashed up a bunch of saloons, she was arrested, taken to court, and fined $500 in 1900 money. Um, but the judge suspended the fine on the condition that Nation leave the town by 6 o'clock that night and never return to Kansas City. We are exiling you. According to the contemporaneous New York Times article, she agreed and was on a train within 15 minutes, because that's a lot of money. Yeah. 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 As Carrie's infamy increased, she conducted temperance and women's rights marches across Kansas, Missouri, and Texas. Nations anti-alcohol activities became widely known with the slogan, All Nations Welcome But Carrie, becoming a barroom staple. <gasps> okay, that's pretty witty. That's, that's very good. <laughs> very good and surprisingly inclusive. Yeah. Didn't know you had it in you, Kansas. Yeah. Um, she published the Smasher's Mail, a bi-weekly newsletter, and The Hatchet, a newspaper. In reality, while she is known primarily for the hatchetation stuff, she only did that for, like, I could not figure out exactly how long it was. I think it was, like, two-ish years, but it did leave such an impression. Um, did the re- it? <laughs> The rest of her life was devoted to lecturing about anything and everything she believed was immoral. She also rallied against fraternal orders, tobacco, foreign foods, corsets, skirts of improper length, and sexy paintings. Oh, well, I don't care about that stuff. I'm all, I'm, I mean, let, let people paint sexy. Draw me like one of your French girls. Truly. Uh, she was also an advocate of women's suffrage, so yay for that. Yeah, that's good. Yay! Uh, she believed that William McKinley, uh, then president, was a secret drinker, and when he was assassinated in 1901, she applauded the assassination because drinkers, quote, got what they deserved. <laughs> How do you guess someone's a secret drinker? I mean, obviously, we've definitely heard, like, the secret communist thing. Like, people who thought, like, Eisenhower yeah. was a secret communist. Yeah. Like, have you, did you... Did you did you meet Eisenhower? I mean, but like, honestly, all of that reads, all of that has a very QAnon energy to me of just somebody who's so desperate to prove that they're smarter than other people by like intuiting something about somebody in power. It's also the kind of thing where it's like when you frame it that way, you can't disprove it. Like when you say yeah. you're a secret drinker, and you're like, no, I'm not, and 
prove it. You go, aha! It's it's like, you know, hey, Rick Santorum is a donkey fucker. And he's like, no, I'm not. And it's like, prove it. And you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think libel statutes were a lot. A negative. <laughs> libel statutes were a whole lot more lax then. Um, in 1903, Kiri A Nation officially changed her name to C-A-R-R-Y, saying it meant Kiri A Nation for Prohibition. She is divorced from her now dead husband now, but she was not giving up that name. I mean, it's, it is a good name. It's, I mean, it's better than Gloyd. Gloyd. Carry a Gloyd for <laughs> prohibition. It doesn't roll off the tongue very Carry well. a nation for prohibition. In 1904, she published her autobiography, The Use and Need of the Life of Carry a Nation. The use? And need. Of the life of Carrie A. Nation. You know what? That's that's a very bold autobiography. So bold. Like, it's not just that you want to know about me. My life is so important that you need it needs to be used and you need it. Like yes. that is there's a specifically. Necessity. Not just me. My life. Yeah. The whole thing. Um Publishing her autobiography made her enough money to buy a house in Kansas City, Kansas. Because she wasn't allowed in the one in Missouri. She wasn't allowed <laughs> in the one in Missouri. Uh, to shelter the wives and mothers of drunkards. Which is weird to me that she went with wives and mothers, like, all the time, but not ever the children. I, th- I mean, it might be one of those things where the children are a foregone conclusion. Maybe. I don't know. It seems weird to me. As she got older, Carrie had to resort to increasingly weird stunts like appearing in vaudeville shows in the U.S. and Britain. In 1903, she appeared briefly in Hatchetation, an adaptation of T.S. Arthur's Ten Nights in a Bar Room and What I Saw There. But her life on stage generally did not go over well for fucking anyone because Carrie was like, these entertainment venues are not the right place for me to proselytize about Jesus. And the audience who came there for entertainment were like, we also agree that these are not the right places for you to proselytize about Jesus. We are not enjoying this. Um, also, uh, in at least one case, she stormed onto the stage and smacked a prop drink out of an actress's hand because she assumed it contained real liquor. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to be at that show, though. That, I mean, it, <laughs> that sounds like a really good show. It would be something to see. Um, during a show in London in 1909, someone threw an egg at her and she stormed off stage, ripped up her contract immediately and returned to the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised it only happened the once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she returned to the lecture market, selling yet more souvenir hatchets. It seems like there has to be one we can buy on eBay for a reasonable price. Yeah, we need to look into that. Somebody, you know, if anybody wants to get their name read on air, please send us a little tiny pewter hatchet with death to rum engraved on it. That would be fucking hilarious. I will put it on my bar. Um, yeah, she also uh sold signed photos of herself. Which I do want to see the home that has, like, the Carrier Nation portrait, like, signed up in it. You know, some people 
have their favorite bands, some people have politicians, and some people have old ladies whipping out hatchets in bars. Everyone and has their own thing. Like, honest to God, there were women that were touring Carrier Nation like some people tour fish. Oh, she had, like, groupies. She had groupies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was, like, an entire thing. It I guess like, the alternative was going back home to the shitty husband, so why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have no context for this beyond this sentence. In October 1909, various press outlets report that Nation claimed to have invented the airplane. Oh. That's all I fucking know about that. I looked, I looked for it. I could not find more. Did she actually do it? Is it something that was just... The newspapers reporting something for sensationalism. I don't know. Carrier Nation invented the airplane. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. I feel like if anyone could keep that. an airplane airborne with just the weight of her rage, <laughs> it was Carrier Nation. There's a lot of, it just needs a lot of hot air, you know, so. <sighs> Near the end of her life, Nation moved to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, where she founded the home known as Hatchet Hall. She was very sickly by this point, but continued to lecture. During one speech in Eureka Springs, she proclaimed, I have done what I could, and collapsed. According to Wikipedia, she was taken to a hospital in Leavenworth, Kansas. Now, I have no fucking clue why they took her to a hospital in Kansas, considering that it was 1911, and it's 250 miles away if you're traveling by a road today in a car. Hmm. I know it's Arkansas, I know, but it really seems like there had to be some better option. Hmm. And presumably there was a better option, as evidenced by the fact that she died, she died dead there on June 9th, 1911. I love how she, she but she went out the way she lived, dramatic as fuck. And I yes. appreciate that. I I don't know what I would have to do to plan dying while screaming, I have done what I could. I just know there's going to be a feathery robe involved, as if I've murdered my husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. And perhaps a raven on my hand. I think you will collapse into a pool, and it'll be very Sunset Boulevard. Oh, exactly. Yes. Um... She was buried in an unmarked grave? I huh. don't know why it was unmarked, but the Women's Temperance Union agreed with me and later erected a stone inscribed, Faithful to the cause of prohibition, she hath done what she could, and the name Carry a Nation. Carry a Nation did not live long enough to see the passage of the 18th Amendment in National Prohibition, which was passed in 1919. And the repeal the, of that amendment. Nor the repeal. <laughs> Not too long after. Not too long after. Uh, nor women's suffrage in 1920. Um, God, I hope I got the year right on that. Uh, and prohibition was generally credited to the efforts of more conventional reformers who did everything they could to distance themselves from Carrier Nation. Well, I mean... I cannot believe you have not heard of this lady. No, never heard of this lady. Which really? is very surprising. Um, because, again, like, 
a, a, a true drama queen after my own heart. Yeah. But with a hatchet. That, so with a hatchet. This, this lovely, like, theatrical and violence. Like, I'm into mm-hmm. it. But no, I had never heard of her before. Yeah. Yeah. So, after all of that, what I feel that you and I need is a self-care plan. I'm going to guess this self-care plan does not involve alcohol. (laughs) It involves (laughs) exclusively alcohol. Uh, Which is hypocritical of me, considering the only thing I have consumed today was one Mike's Hard Lemonade seltzer. Um... I should probably eat breakfast. It's 3.14 Destroyer in the afternoon. Destroyer of men's souls. Destroyer of men's souls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to do a self-care plan about, like, you know, alcohol and sort of setting boundaries regarding alcohol. Because I thought that, you know, that that after an hour of ragging on Carrier Nation, that that would perhaps be the right thing to do. First and foremost, drinking alcohol alone is not self-care. If it's something you enjoy, that's fine. But if it's your only or primary coping strategy, you might have a problem that needs to be addressed. I drink alone. (laughs) With nobody else. I am an alcoholic. <laughs> I I I am so amused by like all of the people who love to drink to the song "Son of a Bitch" by Nathan Radliff and the Night Sweats. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is about him having delirium tremors while in rehab. Oh yeah, it's and- one of my dad's favorites. We yeah. always play when we're drinking, and he's like, yeah. and he just gets, and of course he he's not an idiot. Like he knows what it's about, but he's like, yeah, but it's so good, son of a bitch. <laughs> Like, he can't help yeah. it. God. Uh, number two, if you feel that you have a problem with alcohol, there are more strategies than just absence or the 12 steps. Find what works for you, as long as it doesn't involve a hatchet, because that's going to cause more problems. Finally, it's important to find a community that values your boundaries and what you're working towards, both in terms of alcohol and generally. It's important that they give you critical feedback when you need it, because being a sycophantic yes man or supporting your questionable vaudeville career sounds more like a cult. I expect everyone in my life to support my questionable vaudeville career, and I I will not hear a word against it. I do, but I will also give you critical feedback on... At minimum costume choices. <laughs> so I, I'm so pleased I could be here for you to, I guess, learn something today. Yeah. No, I, I actually kind of stand this lady. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I do. I'm not a big. In, I'm not really into the whole like inserting God and morality into like yes. literally everyone's business. Not a huge fan of that. But I do appreciate I mean, a woman with convictions that will stand by them with a hatchet, you know? I, I stand her in the same way I stand Carol Baskins by feeding her husband to a tiger, where I'm like, it was the wrong way to do that, but by God, she gets results. Spiritually, I, I understand and accept. Spiritually, I understand <laughs> that, but don't do that. But I understand why you did that, but don't do that. That's going to be all for us this week, folks. 
If you like what you're hearing, you should check us out. Uh, website is this FN guy pod, as well as our Twitter. Um, our Patreon is also this FN guy pod. Uh, as of right now, I am the only <laughs> admin on Facebook because Oops. they don't, they are very upset with Ginger they and her meat. They kicked me off. They kicked me off, and then I had to kick myself off to get back on. Yeah. Um, so it's, if, it's if the memes have seemed less frequent, it's because I'm having to email them to Ren and set up just like a weird, uh, a weird black market system of memes. Um, but we hope to be back hey, in regular business hey, soon. You, you, you got you got one with a lizard in it. You bet I do. Hold on a second, bud. <gasps> Sirens. Like <laughs> scatter, scatter. Frog in a cowboy hat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, if you found us through our Facebook, hello, and yes, we will, we will continue the meme parade as best as I can as somebody who still, social media is still a thing that it does not compute with the ADHD. It is not. It's okay. It's not a thing. We'll fix it eventually. As always, I'm Ginger Golub. I'm Ren Martinez. Here's a bonus self-care tip. Installing blackout curtains will make your body think it's permanently 3 a.m., so don't put them up unless you really need to, Ren. Oh, man. Me, me and my husband is just in such a delicate balance. Freak? <laughs> of sleep hygiene. <laughs> also, perhaps, maybe? Maybe. Don't be this fucking guy. Peace. Peace. Go. Wow, 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 wow.